welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Let the Music Be Your Master. I am your humble servant, Brandon Arnold, and joining me here in the garage, uh, going clockwise, we have... Jordan Harmon. Jason Johnson. Steve Ricks. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. He left out the doctor. (laughs) I didn't hear Dr. Steve Ricks. Uh... Sir, Mick, Sir, Sir, Rick Sir mix a lot. <laughs> get Can't even get it right. right. Can't Steve. even get the dang nickname right. Sir Rick Slot. It's a it's a lovely Saturday morning. It is Act, finally cool enough that cool, uh, yeah. some of us are wearing sweatshirts. Yeah, um, yeah. the wimps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jason's uh, Motorhead T-shirt is enough to keep him warm. He's, Absolutely, he's chilly over there. He's <laughs> yeah. Um, this is this episode. We're going to be talking about metal and introducing our "Let the Music Be Your Master" metal wing of the Hall of Fame. So I'm looking forward to this. This is a uh, a genre that, believe it or not, I don't know much about. Yeah, really, what? don't know much about. What? I mean, grow coming of age in the '90s. Uh, I I liked hard music, but I didn't like metal. Like metal, as you associate with the '80s and that kind of stuff. And this the, is throwing me off. I was ready to bond with you specifically over this, Brandon, and now I can't. What? Just because I didn't? I say I didn't know much about it. I've been studying. We can <sighs> still right, bond. All right, all right. I wanted to bond over. I wanted to bond so, over our our shared history. <laughs> You probably yeah. could bond more over '90s hard stuff. He wanted right? it to be Unless authentic. Jason doesn't like '90s hard stuff. He wanted it to be authentic, and now it feels yeah. artificial. So this, this has been a. Uh, um, I've I've had to do legitimate research in this, like scouring the uh, the lists and the you know the Google radio stations, going to Megadeth Radio or whatever, <laughs> and being like, is there is there anything good in here? <laughs> <laughs> is there anything pra- praiseworthy so, or can, I, can I yeah. selfishly say that this is so maybe this will be equally surprising this will be the episode i have i had to do the least amount of homework and research on this you is just, you just know it this yeah. is like critical to my formidable years of uh of music there was a, a three-year stint where this was this was, this was it for me yes what were those years 12 to 15 so 90 to 93 yeah or 12 yeah okay. yeah like i can I, i'll i'll share so i like okay. i can tell you the exact song like what it what it did what it did yeah. for me like what the oh, pivotal moment was sweet uh what, what was the first metal album that you bought you, uh, you've said that the first was it the first tape that you bought or cd was depeche mode uh, yeah, construction time again. So I was listening to like everything counts, like mm-hmm. synth pop, and then uh, my friends John and Mike. They both had older brothers. I was the only boy in my family. I didn't have any good any older siblings that provided a good model for music. They were listening to like Christian rock, like the Mormon version of Christian rock, which is an even worse version of Christian rock. <laughs> and um, so we we rode our bikes to Ouch, University Mall. Sorry. Sorry, Afterglow. <laughs> we rode our bikes to University Mall, and um, we decided we were going to get something harder than Depeche Mode. And so um, John... If that's possible. If that's possible. 
John <laughs> bought Master of Puppets by Metallica, and I bought um, uh, And Justice for All. So my first metal album was a cassette tape of And Justice for All by Metallica. Was this just based on the the cover, or had you? Yeah, no, were the you cover. Familiar with Metallica. I, so John had two uh, two older brothers that were really really into music, and one was total like new wave it was like a ton of oingo boingo and depeche mode and then the other one was into metal and he had posters in his room that scared me a little bit and by then like i was being raised by cable tv watching horror movies on the usa network and i liked being scared and these posters scared me and so the cover of And Justice for All, which is this broken statue of Lady Justice, it scared me just enough. I was like, all right, I'm doing this. That's the huh. album for me. And I bought oh. it. And then I listened to it, and like Harvester of Sorrow comes on, and it, I was actually like scared of it a little bit. And I thought, this is cool. And it spoke to something in me. We can talk more. We can, we can do some. We can have Jordan psychoanalyze me here in a minute. But it, it spoke to something... <laughs> And like to some real fears and insecurities that I had, and it it became almost like this insulator for them. Like where in that moment, I felt kind of like tough for a minute, uh-huh. and so it did something for me at a at a kind of a critical time. I've so. uh, I've wanted ever since we did the both the seventies and the eighties uh, space lists. Uh, Especially since it seems like metal itself was not represented at all. We had Black Sabbath, huh? But not not none of the '80s stuff. Like, well, yeah, there's no '80s, 80s metal that made it in our list, and yeah. partly because I just don't like it that much, and hadn't given it the time. So I wanted to do the research, do the work, and see if there is some worthwhile stuff in there. Something that even at my age I might oh, hell yes, be able is. to get into. <laughs> I'll give you my story in a minute, but I want to hear from Jordan and, and Steve what their what their experience, what their history with metal is. Yeah. Did you ever buy a metal album, Jordan? I you know, the closest well I don't even I didn't even look this band up, but I bought the single Have you, have you ever bought an the, album that has distorted guitars? I bought on the it? yeah. Well I got into grunge, but grunge was different, right? But no well, I your bought, brother owned those. Did you buy no, any? No, I bought grunge okay. albums. I the 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 Album I bought, and this is this is, I bought a single of Scorpions, uh, but it was Winds, Winds of Change. Of Change. <laughs> yeah, so very non-metal. Like it was the ball. I loved yeah, the one, whistling. Of, one of the great whistle tracks. I loved of the all whistling time. when I saw that, and I was like, "Oh, this is a beautiful." You know, so it was. It was. I'm. I'm one of the least metal people in terms of music that you'll meet. Um, and so this, my history with this genre is like. Just not like there's just nothing there. Not only did I not have people in my life listening to it, but when I would hear it, I was just like, it just didn't compute. Like, why would you listen to that? And then, uh, and then when I would see, like, so when I look back, I would comp- uh, like see people at school with like the Metallica shirt on and they'd wear the shirt every day. And <laughs> the shirt, they, they kind of stunk a little bit. Like that, I remember a couple of people like that at school that would wear like a Metallica shirt. Every day, maybe for four or five years, you know. Um, <laughs> but in researching just recently, as in last night, doing some more research. Well, one, I loved Black Sabbath. I mean, I, I shouldn't say I loved them, but my brother had Black Sabbath. And I remember listening to that and thinking, this is bad because of the, the name of the band. But like loving the guitar in it and loving the kind of like, oh, this is cool. Um, and then Living Color, 
that was the other, my brother loved living color and so i'd hear that stuff loved it um but researching last night i was do i did you know that what's that we shared a couple of videos. I think it was uh, Trash Theory, that YouTube channel. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. That guy is prolific. <laughs> and his documentaries are good. He does all these documentaries like the, you know, the, the birth of, you know, goth yeah. and the birth of New Wave. and But he did one, How Acid we, Rock. We still haven't heard if you've ever bought a metal album. <laughs> Never. Okay. Never. <laughs> Never. Um, I'm going to, I don't, I don't want to take Steve's spot, yeah. but uh, remind me to come back. I can speak on behalf of the kid that wore the uh, Metallica shirt every day. It was you. I, it I have a you. song. No, I've got, I've got a song. I think it was poetry for me that um, yeah. I think explains a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. My name Steve. is Lorax. I speak for the kid in the yeah. stinky metal shirt. Um, my, so my background with metal is 98 KUPD. Radio station in Arizona, uh, listening on my clock radio, and I guess I really, as I was examining, you know, my life and my, my music and uh, preparing for this gathering, I realized that for me, in a way, metal was my first uh, love, but it was a little bit short lived, and and uh, by the time you know eighty one, eighty two rolled around, it got completely replaced by new wave and and everything else. So I was just a kid in elementary school, starting to listen to my clock radio in my room, and somehow I discovered the Doctor Demento show, which was on the heavy metal station, and I think that was kind of true. Same all as here, yeah. That yeah, was here. I, I don't know why that pairing was there because Doctor Demento didn't really play metal; it was always quirky stuff maybe it was kind of deviant stuff that kind of fit a kind of metal kind of vibe but um so you know i just i was listening to all these you know acdc etc that would just make the regular rotation on this heavy metal station and kind of digging it uh but then once uh you know i hit um you know hit my hit junior high uh, would have would have been uh, about when New Wave really hit me and took over, and then it was like a really clear divide. Like, oh, that's that's over there. I'm over here, mm-hmm. and I it, it you can't you can't be a kid in the '80s and not just you know know about metal and hear yeah. all the stuff yeah. that's in the air and on the radio and that kind of thing. So it's like I I you know I knew a lot of that stuff, but I'm I'm in the same boat as Jordan. I've never spent money on a metal album. Uh, Except later in life, as I've built up my CD collection, even in the last 10 years, I've bought two or three things, which I don't want to give away, but which might fall into the metal category. But as a kid, I never spent money on it because it just was, wasn't cool to me. It wasn't the thing I was into. You was know? that divide? Is that the main divide in white music of the eighties? Is it metal and new wave? It's like that's the the clearest cut divide. The battle of the whitest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it could be, and I mean, to the extent that new wave, at least for a while, was maybe different than pop. I mean, you kind of had top forty or pop, and then I think new wave. Anyway, we don't need to spend time yeah. on it. Punk. I mean, it was punk and new wave were kind of the alternative stuff. Mm-hmm. Then you had popular stuff, and then you had metal or rock or whatever. And, some, and, and sometimes and, that was popular. Yeah, both, both new wave and metal would have hits that would kind of creep in there. But I think, yeah, that's kind of a. But by the by the late eighties, like hair metal became pop. That became the yeah, popular. Hair, music. Before we before we 
start playing the metal music, uh, I was going to keep up the tradition of have Jordan this time tell us something good. What's something you've been listening to? Oh, man. There's this new band called Rufus with Shaka Khan. And, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I don't think it has to be a new band. It's just whatever you've been digging on, man. You no. Know, um, hmm. The the thought I had Classic. is it's actually not a, an album or a band that I'm listening to, but it's a TV series that we've been rewatching that has music in it I love, mm. um, and so that's what I'm going to go with. And the TV series it's a it's an animated children's television series, and I absolutely love it. Um, it's called Adventure Time. It was on the Cartoon <laughs> Network a few years ago. I think there's I don't know eight or nine seasons, and we want my, my myself. The, the kids and I watched the whole thing, you know, and finished it a few years ago. Um, and then, and Joanna would see what, bits what's the of music it. that's in it. The music that's in it is uh, so. Yeah, we're rewatching it now, and the music that's in it. I don't know the composer's name. I, I know I've talked to Steve about the composer. I think it's a female composer. She does weird stuff. There's a couple of like theme songs that are great, but then the music in it is what I would want to choose. And I'm just trying to think of how to. How to find a, a representation <laughs> of that. You can go on YouTube and just like type in Adventure Time uh, soundtrack or something okay. like that. And the butterflies and bees, we can wander through the forest and do so as we please. Come along with me. Okay. You got to you got to get a little bit of the actual soundscape during oh. one of those shows if they if they have one of those songs or do they not have it on there? Is I don't it just know. those two? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't you say that you clicked on a thing that said in order? Yeah. All Adventure Time songs in order. And it was just those two? And next is Adventure Time Candy Kingdom or Baby Song Extended with video. <laughs> Or house hunting music video. Does LSP have any songs? Do house this is, this do, is your do picture. House Why don't you be specific? Do house about hunting. I love Lumpy's house hunting. Princess. Yeah. So Finn and Jake set out to find a new home. It's gonna be tough for a kid and a dog on their own. Here's a little house. Offense sticking his foot in. Well, that's a bad idea, dude. Cause now that bird thinks you're a jerk, Finn. And never chilling on the side of a hill and thinking living in a cloud would be totally thrilling. Unless they find something inside, like a mean cloud man and his beautiful cloud bride. A beehive, oh no, don't put your foot in there, guy. Y'all tried that before and you know it didn't turn out right. Big shell, go inside, look around, it seems alright. Frog jumps out, involves a tiger, throwing down potions for food and fire. You know you should have stayed and fought that sexy vampire lady. But Jake was feeling terrified He was super scared of her vampire bite Which is understandable Cause vampires are really powerful They're unreasonable And burnt out on dealing with mortals (laughs) (laughs) Wow It's an amazing show I can't believe you've never seen it And you will thank me once you start watching, you yeah. say, Jordan, where has this been? Why haven't you yeah. told me? Well, I, I know you've mentioned it to me multiple times. I just haven't haven't done it yet. I think yeah. it'll check. I think it weirdly checks a lot of your boxes, Brandon. Yeah. I think you'll like yeah. it. Yep. Next thing you're going to tell me, you haven't watched all of uh, Awesome Show. Great job. 
Have you not? <laughs> all of it? No. Yeah, all not. of it. Brandon, Brandon will oh like this gosh. more than that. Brandon will like this more I than know. Tim and Eric. <laughs> you Tim, just have to watch everything. Tim and Eric's a little too metal cartoon, for Brandon. Cartoon Network. A little too metal. Cartoon Network. <laughs> okay. Rocks. Speaking of too metal, I put together a little intro. A little <laughs> too much metal. A little Jason Johnson esque intro oh. of uh, this one's even longer because. The the metal time period lasted longer. Oh, by the way, I should uh, uh, I should say the title of our episode. Yeah, rain in metal. Mm-hmm. How's rain spelled? Like rain, like a king. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, rain in metal. Parentheses. The rise and fall of the holy metal empire. Ex- episode six point six six. Yeah. <laughs> Woe to you, O earth and sea. For the devil sends the beast with wrath, because he knows the time is short.
fall of the holy metal empire in eight i want to start a debate now but i'll let you have uh you say your piece on it well no debate we gotta follow the format or else we're gonna be here till 5 p.m (laughs) yeah brandon's in charge okay three three words to describe metal jord okay i have them down here i had um dark driving demons Okay, Jason. Uh, I had dark as well, distortion, and uh, evil, evil. Okay, Steve. Guitar, minor, as in minor, minor yeah. key, minor mode, and operatic. Mm. Okay, I have distortion, guitar solos. That's three words. <laughs> we'll, just have, we'll just have solos then, because Van Halen does do keyboard solos. So we'll just have, we'll just have solos. Double bass drum solo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. And Spinal Tap, Viv Savage. Yep, any kind of solo. Uh, and third word, narrow-minded. <laughs> yeah. Also two words, but that's all right. No, there's a dash in there. He's, two he's concepts. In, he's in charge. charge. Narrow-minded slash conservative. Slash, the slash loophole. Yeah. I think I think there's a thing that we need to discuss. Uh oh, there is. Uh, so we'll we'll get into more extensive definitions. But during that, I saw a lot of uh, head shaking and occasional head nodding from Jason. So I, I take it that there there are some things in there that you uh, agree fit the metal definition, and that you think don't. Yeah. So let let me hear why. So this is kind of, and I think you can almost look at like Black Sabbath um, parallel to Led Zeppelin to epitomize a little bit what this is. In my mind, there's a difference between heavy metal and hard rock. And so you had in there like Credence Clearwater, Neil Young, was that Cinnamon Girl? Mm -hmm. Like that's not heavy metal, but that's hard rock. Like distortion and kind of a, a heavier, heavier vibe can be hard rock, but that doesn't, in my mind, make it heavy, heavy metal. metal. Like, heavy metal mm. seems to embrace um, 
evil seems to embrace darkness and there's and that's you know like with so black sabbath their whole persona was darkness all the way down to their name led zeppelin their darkness was because jimmy page was like studying the occult and he was this weird guy that bought Aleister Crowley's castle and was like Satan worshiping there. Yeah. <laughs> was he Satan worshiping? Yeah. That wasn't just a no, he really magazine was. rumor. Yeah. Go, go read the, uh, the hammer of the gods. <laughs> um, but, but that was, that was him, but that wasn't necessarily like the band's persona. Like they, they were still kind of beyond or, or bigger than just that. And so there's, in my mind, there's still even like a difference from a metal. And so like a lot of the ingredients of metal, like Zeppelin inspired a ton of metal. I don't look at Zeppelin's entire library and say, you know, oh, this is, this is all metal. But I look at like, especially this, the Ozzy Osbourne years of Sabbath, all they did was metal. Like everything was just leaning into darkness and, and drop tuning and trying to create metal. And so in my mind, there's a a difference. And I think that's where, um, you know, probably like metal purists would take exception to like the Bon Jovi's or the poisons, or maybe even the Motley Cruz to a certain extent, like to go through what was happening in the eighties and say, well, I don't know how metal that is. Motley Crue tried to. I mean, they were like shouting at the devil, but it was like a party shout. <laughs> <laughs> Look how fun the devil is. <laughs> it, was very, it was very different than like yeah. Slayer's Reign in Blood. Yeah. And so... Um, They're trying to get the devil out of there. Like, hey, yeah. devil, <laughs> I'll get out of there. I, when I think of metal, I think I of think. what you're talking about, Jason. Like, right. I agree with your... Like, when I think of metal, I think of that distinction that... Like, I don't think hard rock... Is metal. So you have, like, there's some bands mm. that are on the margin between, I think, like, metal and hard rock. Like, ACDC and Led Zeppelin. Like, I think they're kind of, even Van Halen to a certain extent. Not Van Hagar, Van Halen, Steve. Um, but and, I don't amen. know that they're, Person like, the choir on that one. full metal. <laughs> and there's probably bands, between like, full on, the, metal on jacket. the edge between prog rock and metal. Rush. Right? Yeah, Rush, Rush Dream Theater. Um, King Crimson, maybe? King Crimson, yes. Like... They're kind of in that margin between metal and prog rock, but I don't think that they're... They might have metal songs. Full metal either. It's yeah. kind of like with funk. You, you have funk bands, but then you have bands that aren't funk. They might have a song that's like, oh, yes. that's, that's a funk song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I think what you're saying makes sense and, you know, jives with anything that you read about the two genres. Like, I, I googled hard rock versus heavy metal, and that's exactly what... what comes up generally the uh, the more party attitude blues based music versus uh doom and destruction and i don't i don't know what they mean when they're talking about melodic minors and phrygian or dorian <laughs> or whatever steve very minor yeah. that's that was one of the big that was one, one of my three words too was minor initially and then i took it out but Frig- Dr. phrygian it. is yeah. a, a particular mode that's really distinctive and that yeah that probably is unique to metal among There's all a dark popular sounding, but it's music, because but, of yeah. this this uh discussion right now and the you know the debates about this that I included narrow-mindedness in my <laughs> as one of my descriptors because I find metal as a genre to be the most narrow-minded of genres, and 
so so narrow-minded, in fact, that it needs all these subgenres. <laughs> and once you're in one of the subgenres, like you can't do anything else. Once you're thrash metal, that's yeah. all you are. Once you're yeah. like well, the the de- the the Norwegian black metal bands, like they've you know they've mm-hmm. made such a narrow little niche for themselves, and it's like we can't do anything like no major keys, no uh, other instrument, you know. But as a genre, it seems very narrow-minded. Like, there's certain things you have to do, and if you don't do those, you're, you're out. I, you're lame. You're a wuss. I think in some of the really, like, defined subgenres, that's true. But I think about, like, a band, like, Suicidal Tendencies. They did, I think, some interesting Which stuff. Which has been formally claimed by punk now. I, I don't think <laughs> Did you see the article I sent? Yeah, I did. It <laughs> was a joke. It was a parody article. Yeah. Like... They, but that's like that's a good example. Are they surf metal? Are they thrash metal? Are they speed metal? Are they punk? They don't really fall into it, and they they kind of like if you go, they're an interesting one because like in Utah, they took a really a really bad kind of a bad hit because of some anyway they. They were not like they they were very taboo when we were younger, um, but if you dig through their discography, like they're really good musically, and they were experimenting with a lot of different a lot of different things, um, and so I don't know. I think you're right in some cases, but I think that's more of like the performative and the and the really defined subgenres. But there's. Might be the nature of genre too. To yeah. be, to be, some genres are you could call it narrow-minded, or you could call it just super defined. Whereas new wave was way differently. It was like it was so hard. Like I think Steve, you did a great job of saying, okay, what is it? It's this eclecticism or exoticism. But with metal, it's like people are the people that are metal are like in love with the genre, and so they're trying to be as metal as possible. In, whereas there, people that are in new wave, they're not like I've got to be as new wave as possible. They're like, let's do something there different. There is a let's personal thing. So here, strange. I'll tell you my story now. You can cut this out if, you, if we're getting too long. But there, we'll, like, uh, there's we'll get some... to the music in about for you listening. <laughs> it, 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 you know, fast forward about 15 minutes and then we'll play our first track. There's something about metal that I think really becomes personal for people so like for me the song that i referenced look up a song called um in my world by anthrax and i think this came out when i was maybe 14 or 15 and i'm at dixon junior high and i there like i was kind i i felt really insecure about a lot of things Uh, my family had stuff going on i was insecure about i felt kind of about a lot of things and i find this song and this song absolutely speaks to me and i think this represents what metal is for a lot of people and maybe why people become really protective of like whatever Mm -hmm. form they fall in love with and you can jump like jump to like the 45 second mark so this came shortly after depeche mode for me We're going to dig into the poetry of Anthrax, the poetry of Scotty Ian. I'll fight the hand that beats me, and I can give a damn if that hand needs me. 
So you can kill it. Like I, I could honestly, I'm, I'm. We seriously there that fighting back, like getting emotional, yeah. thinking about this as a, a 14-year-old. In my world, I'm king. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Nothing can come near me. I'm a walking razor blade. Yeah. And so when you're this scared little kid and you're insecure and you're worried about these things and you have this music that somehow like, like you connect like to shield around at you. a very personal level, it be- literally becomes that shield around you. Yeah. It, like I used to carry this. It's really interesting now thinking about this in conjunction with like doing school psych work in the 2014s, 15s. And at that point, I had kids that would come in. And so for me, like, I would insulate myself with Anthrax or Metallica. I had kids coming in listening to, like, there's a group called Pierce the Veil. That was, Mm -hmm. like, a common one. And that became their insulator. And for those kids... I could connect immediately with because I I knew exactly what they were doing with that thing. And I think for some of these subgenres that may look ridiculous, I think people get really protective for them because somehow there's something in that that becomes like very insulating for whatever insecurity or whatever, whatever thing they're feeling. And somehow metal does that for, yeah. for people really weirdly. And so that kid in the Metallica shirt every day, I know his... exactly who he was. And he, that was Do you his... know who he was literally? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a costume, yeah. but that was also, like, his armor. His, like, armor. He was putting yeah, that yeah, yeah. armor on to, right. to protect what yeah. was going on. And yeah. he may not have manifested himself in a very healthy way, like, socially, but for him, that was armor. Right. It, was, it wasn't careless. It was like, it was important. Yes. It wasn't like, oh, I don't, I don't care. I'll just wear this shirt. It and so it like, appears care careless. I'm going to wear this shirt. But that like. Yeah. And so it probably is narrow minded, but I think it's, it's maybe narrow minded. Like it, it maybe is a defense mechanism as well yeah. for kind of what it's, it's tapping into. Could could be could be, and or it could just no. be ridiculous in a performance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what what you're saying as a listener makes totally sense. Total sense, like especially in that situation. I think uh, a lot of us had similar, um, you know, similar musical things in our lives that we latched onto and that spoke to us at at given times. Yeah, um, I think the. The narrow-mindedness for me was really defined just these last few weeks listening to so much of this all at once. Because you wanted to... Because it's all so much the same. You wanted to add Journey into the... Well... (laughs) Into the metal band. You're like, dang it! Well, especially once it gets into the the 80s, like, except for the bands that I included in there that made you shake your head, any ones that are actually metal, it's like every song is exactly the same. Not exactly, but... Well, it sounds very similar. Yeah. Very, very similar distortion tones, similar kinds of beats. You have to start with just the guitar going, dun, 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 something like that. And then the second guitar will come in with the drums. Just all the song structures are the same. And uh, in my experience, if you listen to a whole album, like there might be a variety in uh, tempo, but that's about it. I would have had more variety like if, you, if you opened a rule. Did you explain the rules, how we were cut off at 91? Maybe it would be a good time to oh, explain okay, the rules, let's, right? Because we would have that. more variety if you said just <laughs> metal, period, and didn't put a 91 <laughs> well, cutoff on it. But I do think, Brandon, so, I mean, I even in my notes for, for this episode, I have 
heavy in parentheses with a question mark after it and then metal. And it seems like you keep saying metal and it seems like that's an attempt to be as inclusive as possible. Like you're right. kind of including all these little subgenres that you were encountering with, and saying, yeah. that's a good let's point. any, anyone you can pick from any metal that you feel like is metal, but we're not going to say it has to be speed metal or death metal or whatever. Well, and, and I, I included them as a discussion point. Mm hmm. Just yeah. to to you help w- us define to get some like, wait, yeah, what is it? Is yeah, this? what what is it that makes say Van Halen not metal and that that kind of stuff? Well, the draft also, has not occurred yet, so let's <laughs> let's not <laughs> that, rule that them was out. One where Jason let's was, not rule <laughs> them out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess for for myself, when I was choosing my own picks, and uh, even though I I did use the word metal, which has specific connotations, I'm I'm including any basically anything that has heavy distortion. I'm including in this genre. So, so for you, it's kind of like going by that definition. It's it's a hard rock slash metal wing. Yeah. Okay. Because we're not going to do a hard rock. And give us the give us the rules. Like, why can't why can't uh, Led Zeppelin be in it? Why can't? Okay. So here here are the rules for it that I sent out to you participants. Um. In the for this wing, we are considering. <laughs> Jason's like, we're not going to do hard rock, because me too. I was like, oh, I can't do this. This is hard rock. I've got to stick to metal between these thirteen years. <laughs> okay, it's a lot of songs. Is that same? That's Bra- it's Brandon's episode, though. We got to do it. Uh, um, I'm gonna, so my the, picks the are going to break it wide open. That yeah. any any band that had been chosen for our space records, yeah, our top tens of the decade, were automatically included in that Hall of Fame. Because I, I say if they're good enough to make the decades top ten, then they're they're good enough for the the Hall of Fame of a specific genre. So that included Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and a few others that may or may not even be metal. Um, Queen, Queen, Neil Young, some of those were included in our Black our top Sabbath. Tens. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so this Fugazi, this was kind of a, a sore spot yeah. for for some that. Jordan felt <laughs> felt that Sabbath was getting the shaft yeah. by not being, but they they are they're already nominated. They're already, they were the first. You're saying they're in yeah, our they're in our already. already. But we will talk about them because yeah. we need to set the stage. The other rule was I'm setting it by years, starting in 1967, which I think is the first the first year you can arguably say metal songs started to exist or the beginnings of it, uh, ending with 1991 with Metallica's Black Album, which I am considering the the end of the, the metal death, era, the yeah. death of metal, which I concluded that that little I caught that because Metallica of all bands started writing radio friendly ballads, which considering the narrow mindedness of metal fans there's, and there's metal ballad metals like isn't Metallica's metal Black Album looked down on by metal fans yeah, considered a sellout album so their first four they albums out too much there's too much variety their first four albums are <laughs> uh, like unquestionably hall of fame metal albums mm-hmm. and then there's definitely a, a change where they became more radio friendly yeah but even mm-hmm. like it's by far their best selling album yeah it was more friendly but, it was less it was fans less aren't scary like as much but even like I still take a little bit of exception, like thematically and even sonically, there's a difference. Like it's I've still had, dark. It's I've still... had, yeah, I've had full arguments with my friend Matt. Like 
debating which album was harder, Master of Puppets or And Justice for All. Like, I think for an aficionado, they would they would take exception to you saying that there's there's no like musical difference across right. the first four I, albums. I know, the, I know, there's musical. The more you but... spend time with a genre that sounds the same to some, like a lot of people listen to jazz and they're like, it's all the same. But if you listen to jazz music a lot. You don't say that, but yes, you're. So that album is. <laughs> but, it, but it's interesting I, that the black album would be considered the sellout one because it's got variety to it. Variety, but it's it's got it's got ballads. It's got uh, he sings with a nice voice sometimes. <laughs> but in but a the way, ballads aren't metal. Like that's the sellout see? one because it stops yeah. being metal. Yeah. But that's, that's the nature. I mean. That's the nature. Point. But that's the nature of genre. That's the nature of genre. So excited yeah. to bond <laughs> with you. You thought you were picking metal because but, it's this, not, it's this not. is the nature of genre. Like it's the same thing. Like is Silence of the Lambs a horror movie or is it a suspense movie? You know, like yeah. it's the same thing. Like yeah. the the nature of genre forces some some sort of like there's boundaries on it. Adherence to a form. Yeah, it does. Yeah. All right. Okay. Who's let's, up? Let's start Who's the draft. Uh, we're going to do a randomized draft order. So, everybody. Well, so, when are you talking about Sabbath and Zeppelin? When, when are we doing oh, that? Oh, yeah. Let's do that first. <laughs> well, you know, Origins. Oh, Origins. I think story. we should go. Maybe we should get I think going we should on some go tunes. Because we, I think we'll have tunes that are early and it can come up and we say, oh, this happened in this year. But we're not going in chronological order. Let's take a look at each of their opening tracks of their first album, okay. just so we can hear the difference. So here's Zeppelin came first, 1969. I thought they were both 69. No, Sabbath was 70. They're first? They're self-titled? Yeah. For reals? And, I'm checking this. And uh, Paranoid was also 70. They had two that year, just like Zeppelin had two in 69. So Good Times, Bad Times from Led Zeppelin. We've got some pretty heavy distortion for for the time. Um, before that, we had Hendrix, uh, who I think was the first the first one to use a fuzz distortion pedal in a popular record. So his guitar sound was really influential. This is that was two years before, but uh, Zeppelin kind of unified it with with the whole band. Um, so you got this distortion. You've got the uh, more kind of shouty type vocals, a little bit operatic. I like Steve's operatic. Yeah. I hear it. Like he's uh, Robert Plant going going to eleven. He's cranking his mm-hmm. voice to eleven. Um, but the song structure is more blues based. The drumming rhythm is more. Uh, I don't know. Doesn't it doesn't sound like what you think of as metal? What John right. Bonham's doing here, right? Um, but then you got the raging guitar solos. Especially on the solos, they've got really high gain distortion on that thing, piercing. 
So a lot of that you're going to see bleed into the the following years. Uh, okay, contrast that with Sabbath's first song. Did you verify it was 1970? Yeah, recorded in uh, October of 69, released in February of 70. Uh-huh. Here it is. Title track. The song is also called Black Sabbath. Did Led Zeppelin ever have a song called Led Zeppelin? They never sunk that low. I think it was a was a they got their name because a member of the Who said they were going to collapse like a Led Zeppelin or something like that. The Who, the Who, or the, so here Sabbath's also kind of setting the stage just with the sound effects. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think the uh, the more narrowly defined metal specifically. Uh, I've heard it described as like the musical equivalent of a horror film. Yeah, yeah, like a, yeah. not necessarily a soundtrack, but kind of the right. kind of the same mentality. It's kind of like when Van Halen uses a mixer in the song "Pound Cake." You know, it's like those <laughs> sound effects that really <laughs> like create that, that horrible, yeah. scary feeling. So they're they're setting the stage for horror right here. Yes, dread. Yeah, dread. Uh, also, the album cover. Yeah, their their it's whole scary. The part of their medium was dread. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when the guitars come in, abandon all hope, all ye that enter mm-hmm. here. So even even heavier distortion, <laughs> and that's wild that that was recorded in '69. Yeah, like Led Zeppelin's flirting with metal, and Black Sabbath is like making metal. Here's the genre. Yes, this is the lane. This is the lane you will follow. Well, that's and amazing. There's probably something about the uh, the notes that they choose that make it sound scarier. It's it's not blues based anymore. It's the minor. Yeah. It's so minor so they jump the octave and then they go down. Uh, uh, an augmented fourth or diminished fifth, a tritone, the yeah. devil in music. Oh, wow. Yeah. So just that's the interval that's halfway in between the octave exactly now but did, it's the, uh, you know. That's in the blues scale sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's part of the blues, but the fact that they're just going to that right. only with the other note it is is dissonant it's and it kind of stands out. And there's actually a whole history of it being this, you know, well, I'm sure there's some classical composers that did that knowingly before. Yeah. Stravinsky probably did. Uh, uh, do you yeah. think Tony Ioni knew this stuff, or was it just instinctive to him? Was he just like, what sounds scariest? Oh, this note here. That's a really good question. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know how. My, my guess is it would just be intuitive. Like, they're, they're just kind of trying to go for something that sounds dissonant, that sounds different than a regular major or minor scale and what you would run into. Yeah. You know? That's my hunch. But Even I, I only was experimental. Like he was one of the I first mean, ones to do drop tuning too. Like by the time you get to Master of Reality, I think over half those songs are drop tuning on his guitar yeah. to get that really deep minor sound. But doesn't this song make you think of Van Halen's jump? <laughs> <laughs> now let me tell you, like I, I think you mentioned Hendrix and for sure he's he's a precursor to metal and like Voodoo Child Slight Return, which I know you picked mm-hmm. as one of your picks. I mean that's a real clear heavy distortion thing. That's sixty eight, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh 
Purple Haze, the opening, I'm pretty sure he's using tritones as well. That same interval that he just doesn't do it melodically like Black Sabbath is doing that really highlights that, oh, this is ominous. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he makes his the chords, he's doing... Dun, 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 dun. I, think, mm-hmm. I think that's a tritone interval there that he uses, actually. Yeah. The sparseness of the but, music there, and then yeah. his voice, but so deliberate... It totally sounds like a like it could be an opera. Like you could be watching this on stage, and this guy in yeah. makeup singing, and you're like, "Oh, what's going to happen?" And it's, you know, yeah, it's very, there's a dramatic character to it that I think dramatic. that's what makes me think of opera as well as like the high male yeah. vibrato. Yeah, it could be yeah. like a vocal Mephistopheles opera kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he's got a different vocal tone than Robert Plant, and just just whole different mood. The drums are also more. Uh, like it's not meant to dance to. It's right. gloomier drums somehow, <laughs> heavier. Um, but also on yeah. tempo wise, it's a it's a ballad tempo, but you wouldn't call it a, like not a ballad. But but then there is diversity there. On, on Led Zeppelin's same well, there are, album. Those, right? Like you got Dazed and Confused, that I think is much more a typical metal song. Yeah, it's definitely gloomier. I mean, yeah. it, topic. Why is it is as well? Because like good times, bad times has a more party kind of feel. Yeah. This one doesn't. It's still it's still blues. Like it's kind of a blues. Yeah. So this is like, of, like even, lyrically and yes. I hear blues. But like the way that the notes go, every half step down is a blues scale. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. It's almost more. Classical music, Pasacalia. There's a there's a kind of you know classical form Pasacalia mm-hmm. that Bach, you know, it's a Baroque form and earlier mm-hmm. that that uses a re- repeating bass line that's usually a stepwise chromatic. descending chromatic line, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of times associated with death and stuff like that. So again, I don't know if like some of these guys. You know, have have a memory of their music class yeah. from grade yeah. school or whatever, and they're they're kind of purposely that doing that, or if it's just kind of in that class well, yeah. anyway. If it's <laughs> that first or, part, or if it's just kind of intuitive, you that know. The first part of that song sounded really. This is like heavy blues, and then that unison guitar coming in, in that that right here. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's metal. That's yeah. like, yeah. That, if I heard that, I'd say yes. Oh, this is metal. It's like with the string bending gives it that. Yeah, which Sabbath has a ton, and it's almost like people screaming too. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of it's horror. Okay, horror so music. so we've set the stage here to the two Godfathers, shall we say, of of the genre, uh, but yeah, probably the more like Led Zeppelin's uh, descendants would be more in the hard hard rock zone, while Sabbaths would be in, in the more typical metal zone. So let's go from there. George, your first draft Ooh. into the... What's the draft we order? Won't, we won't do the random order since George wants to go first. Okay. Well, I, I, I'll i let you know I'm, I'm making a... Since you mentioned Vanilla Fudge, you kind of took the wind out of my sail. So I'm going <laughs> to audible to another early band. That's payback. But it'll, it'll bring up Vanilla Fudge. <laughs> but we want to hear them. Yeah, well, let's listen to him, but I'm going to bring up, I'm going to nominate <laughs> oh instead. I'm, oh I'm calling an audible. This episode's getting like longer I've got and longer. To, it's going to be Blue Cheer. The increments. band is Blue Cheer, which is the name of a strain of LSD, supposedly. This is a, um, anyway, this is that psych, uh, psychedelic rock proto metal thing. But they were doing covers like Vanilla Fudge, doing covers of other bands. 
songs, but doing it really harder and heavier, more and more distortion. This is your nomination for the Hall of Fame. Yes, because I had no connection to metal in terms of the personal thing. And when I started studying, and Eric Clapton himself said, this is probably the first heavy metal song. It's Blue Chair. The song is called, um, sorry, it's a cover of Eddie Cochran. What's it called? Oh, Summertime Blues. So you know the song, Got No Cure for the Summertime Blues? So Blue Chair did a, did a cover. They released it in 1968. Vanilla Fudge was doing covers of the Supremes and, other, and doing it in a, this really heavy way in 67. So let's listen to Blue Chair, Summertime Blues. Some people say it's the first heavy metal song. So the the w- reason to me that this deserves in the Hall of Fame, they definitely they wouldn't be on the Rushmore. They're not like who you would point to if you'd say who's who's the prototypical metal. But I think a song that that is considered by many, you know, one of one of if not the first heavy metal songs deserves a place just because the Hall of Fame is always interested in history and like and the origins and how did this how did we get from here to here. So that's where I was going between Vanilla Vanilla Fudge and Blue Chair. So I had to just throw a curveball right. since you mentioned him. But we could listen well, to Vanilla thanks Fudge. thanks for stopping me from playing Vanilla Fudge. Then. We, we can listen to Vanilla Fudge if you want to, because you were going to play it even, anyway. I don't care anymore. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but our, yeah. Our listeners can look it up themselves. They can look it up. They did the Supreme song, um, you, keep me, you Keep Me Hanging On. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's my first pick. Um, I was really, again, like I said, this is a, this is a genre that uh, doesn't, just doesn't appeal to me aesthetically. Although I will go back and say to your question, have you ever bought a metal album? I have. I bought several Led Zeppelin albums, if we're calling them metal, which you we know, are. So, um, so I'm I'm a fan of Led Zeppelin, um, and I like Living Color a lot too. But that's my first pick for the Hall yeah. of Fame. Okay, and move right along, Jason. Uh, I don't even know how to respond to any of this. He's, he's gonna, Jason's going <laughs> to try right, to keep, keep it, it pure. Keep, keep it pure. I'm absolutely <laughs> going to keep it pure. I'm really glad I'm here. Um, Jason's also probably going to remember that this is his first pick of the Heavy Metal Hall of Fame. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do, I have a love-hate relationship oh, no. with these, History with lesson. these here guys. We go. Um, I'm going to go with Metallica. I find them at this stage in life mostly insufferable um (laughs) their first four albums are unquestionable unquestionably uh hall of fame albums if you're uh, if you're looking at metal albums and um the one i'm going to pick is self title or the title track for master of puppets um master of puppets by metallica
What do you want to bet there's a third riff in here before the lyrics start? <laughs> There it is. <laughs> Got to have three different riffs before the lyrics. <laughs> Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. You can kill it. So at this in this era of metal, um, they were a little bit faster, a little bit harder, and a little bit scarier than just about anything else that approached radio play. Um, James Hetfield was kind of obsessed with death. That was the theme of a lot of his albums and songs. And um, they had great musicians like Kirk Hammett, um, original bassist, uh, um, Cliff Burton, really incredible musicians. Uh, they make cool stuff. Their songs are too long, um, <laughs> but this is this is a great album, great song. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, why did you choose this song as opposed to others? Because I I also wanted to nominate Metallica. Mm-hmm. They belong in the Hall of Fame, obviously. Uh, but I was really torn as to which which song best defines them. So I wh- think, why'd you go with this? So this album, let's see, it's I'm, this is either the this is considered by I think a lot of fans to be their their best album. Um, it it feels a little more pure. There was no attempt at, at selling out. Um, I think this is kind of like Cliff Burton is this heavy metal bass god. He died tragically this is kind of him at the peak of his powers there's a lot of different how did he pass away was i'm trying i don't remember if it was kind was of the classic overdose or, or, or what it was I, I don't recall what it was it seems like in music it's always either a helicopter crash or an overdose um so i'm assuming it was one of those two um but this album had like there's an instrumental on this album called um orion there's a kind of attempt, maybe the first Metalla ballad, which became a thing in Sanitarium. But this song, uh, Master of Puppets, is it's there's a lot going. You know, you you mocked the the three three <laughs> different. Uh, yeah, well, that's what I was noticing. Like every Metallica song I'd listen to, it would have some really cool opening riff, and then it would switch into a, a second cool riff. Yeah, those was like different. And then a third one, and then the lyrics would come in. I think if you if you pulled fans like and asked them what the like the best Metallica composition would be, I think this would consistently show up probably in the top three. All right, <laughs> Steve Ricks, guys, this pick is purely from the gut. We're going late in the draw period in the in near the decline of metal. This is later in this band's uh, arc, perhaps. Uh, 
the album credit as being kind of a comeback album after they kind of cleaned up and got got sober or whatever i'm going with motley crew dr feel good cue it up can listen to the whole track but <laughs> i don't know if you want to skip ahead to the guitar solo or we'll talk over it um it'll still be there i mean so <laughs> like my my research to this was more or less nostalgia or going back to what i'd listened to on the radio or those songs that wafted into my uh, area or got on my radar somehow, even though I was pretty entrenched with uh, new wave, punk, alternative, etc. Um, and this one is probably one that I discovered later because I was on my mission in 1989. So, or, or maybe I heard it in a car driving past in in Ontario, Canada. Uh, but I, I never was a crew fan. Uh, well, I, I never. I wasn't really into heavy metal, but. This is my favorite crew song, and I feel like if we're going to say heavy metal, I, I, I appreciate the the hard rock versus heavy metal. For me, it's hard. That's a, that's difficult to make that distinction, and I think it's definitely like a, a permeable membrane, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's maybe some bands that are really on the edge, and some people might say they're over here, and some people might say they're over there. So crew definitely is more the glam, the L.A., you know, the Hollywood version of metal. Well, and they, they, they certainly live the and excess. And they get grouped into hair metal as yeah, well. Right, right, right. They certainly live the, you know, the excess and the, the substance and the partying and all that. But I think, and, and they have the shout of the devil, and the, the, but I think that's just, it's more playful. I mean, uh, simultaneously so, have shout at the devil and girls, girls, girls. Right. So, yeah. so I, I think this one is legitimately, it's kind of like it's addressing that, uh, you know, drug, substance addiction. And I think that they're, they're finally out of it and they're kind of Dr. Feel Good, you know, it's, it's kind of about that yeah. topic. So there is maybe kind of a darkness here. And and the guitar and the heaviness of the of the beat and the sound and everything to me it fits heavy metal. Yeah. So, but it's a more polished late '80s version. It's a subgenre. It's the glam metal, pop metal kind of subgenre. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think it belongs. I appreciate, they, especially uh, that you heard it on your mission, makes it extra kind of like. <laughs> well, I can't. Forbidden. That can't be confirmed or 
I can neither confirm nor deny that <laughs> they, that they happened. They seem like the the prototypical of what like what you picture as, uh, especially like the mid to late eighties heavy metal. Like what, what was played a lot on MTV, the you know permed the hair. curly hair. Right. Yeah. The, the look, the sound, the uh, the hot models strutting full, around, get, laying sound, on a sound car, of their voice. Or fully <laughs> leaning, fully leaning into the debauchery of <laughs> of what it became. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, Motley Crue is uh, not this album, but their uh, earlier album, um, "Shout of the Devil," is called the Breakthrough Metal Album, the first one to be a number one seller in America. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Which might be the the decline of metal as well. <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's usually what, what starts I, it. I, so yeah. I really was, I had the question go through my mind when he played this, because I can't hear that song without thinking of MTV. And I, I asked myself the question, Can if something was pure metal, did it ever break into MTV rotation? Like, and when we're yeah. talking about kind of like the dark, the dread... Um, yeah, by 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 eighty eight, by early eighty seven or so. There not, may be, but by mid eighty seven, when I hit college, I was no longer watching MTV. I just wasn't in touch with it that much. So yeah. I I would have lost there's, touch there's at a, that point. Yeah, but, I think there's a couple exceptions to that idea. I won't say them in case somebody picks them. But yeah, anyway. I mean, I think I think yeah, I mean, I think any of the yeah, I don't know. All right. Hey, my first pick. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, I'm going to go with Rush. Not, not a typical metal. The song by Paula Abdul? <laughs> <laughs> Rush. Uh, Rush. Jason, oh. how you doing over there? Yeah. Blood Vessel? Are you going to... Rush. Like, that's our yeah. prog rock episode. Now, Rush is an interesting metal how, pick. Oh, my how goodness. How do they not fit okay. in with metal? Sound, sounds like hmm. metal? Too hmm. clean? Hmm. Too... Isn't there music sounds less like metal, distorted? Smells like metal. I'm calling it metal. Not enough okay. distortion. I don't know. They sing yeah. too much about dragons. <laughs> yeah, not enough, and yeah. wizards. Not enough darkness. <laughs> fantasy. I, uh, fantasy I'm pretty metal. sure Black Sabbath did that it's too. It's called Fantasy Core. Yeah. yeah. Is there darkness in Rush? Uh, well, let's just get it. a load of this. Bite tour in the snow. That's dog. the one. That's the one. Darkness of ultra <laughs> capitalist uh, right right wingism. I think yeah, actually. They're, they're <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you're going by tour, this is like yeah. self-titled, isn't it? Is this Fly By Night it's, or self-titled? It's on Fly By Night. That's right. So this is their oh second goodness. album. This is from 1975. Okay. Um, okay. Their first album sounds a lot more like Zeppelin, uh, but without John Bonham. So they had a different drummer. Yeah. Neil Peart wasn't on their first album, and right. Peart was really turned them into what they became. Yeah. They, they did a lot of different stuff, but when you think of them as like a prog metal band... Um, it's by tour in the snow dog, like epic long song with different movements and a symbolic representation of the, uh, the sword isn't, weren't, (laughs) isn't snow dog. Like Alex Leifson is playing the part of snow dog. Yeah. They, they played parts. They played the part part of Prince by (laughs) And so you got the bass versus the guitar duel in here. Here we go.
Whiter and the Snow Dog from Rush. <laughs> Inducted into the this Metal Hall of Fame. This is going to be the weirdest wing of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm trying uh, to be inclusive here. I'm broadening You're including surrounds. what, Canadians? <laughs> There will be a plaque in the wing with Jason's disapproving face, and it'll just have a, dis- a disclaimer written like, here's my rebuttal to all the picks that don't belong. Oh, it's just going to say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. The first thing, I looked over at Steve as we were listening, and I said, major, because was, I was hearing the major key, yeah. and that was the thing, that was the part that said, if if minor key is a part of metal this is the part that would exclude that song whereas it had other elements right, it was driving guitar like wailing rush isn't all mad kind of enough stuff. to to fit the the purest the narrow-minded yeah. label the the darkness that comes from that minor key is just is does switch something it's like oh this is different all right um i'm gonna go i'm gonna get back into the more pure you know i actually you know i you know i won't say more than that uh, I thought because you're so like Jason, you're so into the the or where did stuff come from? I thought you would be all about like, oh, good, you chose blue chair, you know. <laughs> I thought I was, I thought I was going to win points with you, but but <laughs> I watched my documentaries last night. I did my studying, but we're going to move on. Um, and I also checked on Wikipedia to make sure. Okay, good, Wikipedia good, says yeah. heavy metal. Good. We're going to go with Slayer. Raining Blood is the song, Ooh. 1986. Yeah, look at this guy. Um, Slayer. Jordan picking a Slayer song. Yeah, wow. This is, this is metal. This, this is, is like the right song, the too. Yeah. The, because the second option is, is highly problematic from the same album. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and listen, and then we can chat. was kind of like proto metal origins of this pick is like let's go to the heart of where does metal reach its peak uh-huh. darkness driving i wouldn't even call i'd go further than driving it's ruthless it's like your brain is being beat up while you're listening to this song by the the double bass mm-hmm. the drivingness i appreciate about this song and some other aspects of metal that to me even though i have a similar response brandon where it's like okay a lot of this stuff sounds the same that when you start then listening, you hear like, oh, there's there's actually multiple tempo changes in a lot of these songs. There's multiple style changes. There's breaks. Like it's not an A B A like core. It's not a simple song structure typically with a lot of these metal songs. There's kind of unexpected breaks 
things that change, style changes, tempo changes. Slayer also, um, you mentioned the problematic. Slayer is definitely deep into the satanic imagery with, you know, pentagrams, inverted crosses, all that kind of stuff going on. And in my research, there was a band called Coven. I don't know if you guys knew of this band, but they were like in San Francisco in like the late 60s. And they had a female lead singer, but they were another proto-metal band. And they had a song on their first album or their album that was influential in, I think, 68 or maybe it was 67 called Black Sabbath. And Black Sabbath was um, and they used all this upside down crosses. They used all this imagery on their albums. And then the Manson murders happened and their album became banned in on the airwaves in the U.S., um, so they were kind of underground, but they had radio play and they were somewhat influential. But anyway, like I was kind of tracing the, the roots of like the, the darkness and stuff. And it seems like, and I didn't know, I didn't find exactly if Black Sabbath took their, the title of their band. They were initially called Earth, I think, Black Sabbath. But um, there was a song on this Coven album. Anyway, fast forward to Slayer and, and you're deep in the, the metal. It's, there's a lot of satanic stuff. There's a lot of... Um, and there's a lot of lawsuits to a lot of these different bands because of different murders that occurred. And then a family would say, hey, our child or our brother that got murdered, the people who did this that were caught had a Slayer posters on their wall. Therefore, you know, and so most of these cases, the bands didn't have to pay any money because they'd say, hey, free speech. And we can't you can't link that the music caused this. This is more a correlation thing. Um, and I don't necessarily mind that my music appeals yeah. to murderers, but right, I got to right. do it. I got to do it. Yeah. So there's some <laughs> real dark stuff going on. And it, yeah, it brings up that, you know, Marilyn Manson was famously like, you know, there was a lot of controversy. Is he causing people to do stuff? Did the Beatles get sued by, because, because of, of Helter uh, Skelter. <laughs> yeah. So there, it's interesting because, I mean, Jason, you mentioned the personal connection with this. And I think there is this for a lot of people. Like when I worked at the state hospital, people with schizophrenia listen to metal more than any other thing. And it's like, it calms them. It's egocentric. It's like the outside matches the inside. And now I can relax a little bit, you know? Uh, But then there might be others where it's like, Hmm. like, oh, I'm listening to this song about the devil and glorifying this and that. And I already am wanting to do these things. And this pumps me up to do this thing. And, and so I I can see the concern. Slayer was interesting because they, they kind of, became more um i think obsessed with like the grotesqueness of it it mm-hmm. wasn't just death as a theme they were like exploring the methods of death like it really dark stuff the song that's particularly problematic is called angel of death on that yeah. album and the whole thing's about dr Mengele that was the scientist that was performing the nazi, holocaust murders yeah, yeah the nazi scientist and and it's weird because it's this weird thing where you're not sure is that if the it's, first track on the album i think so you're, you're not sure if it's sell, it's, if it's, it's not included in google plays version i yeah i can see that so it's it like it's one of their famous tracks it's an incredible metal track you're not really sure if it's celebrating it or if it's um renouncing it and i think that's where it gets problematic um and, and there's a lot of we should say there's there's a lot of i think inherent problems in the debauchery that becomes metal whether it's misogyny or like an over obsession yeah. with with like unhealthy you know grind core well it's kind of like with hip-hop it's like are are the artists celebrating this or right. are they just saying this is an artistic mm-hmm. outlet and we're just like but that so that album yeah. you picked rain and blood i think rick rubin produced it he was a hip-hop producer 
that album kind of created a little bit of a changing of the guard. Like suddenly Slayer unseated Metallica as like the scariest band. And it felt like what Slayer was doing was real. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh, Metallica is yeah. not even that scary yeah, anymore. Slayer is where the like, real metal's at. Like, Rain of Blood scares me way more than Ride the Lightning well, scared me. I think what you, we were talking about genre, like narrow-mindedness. I think some genres are more open, but they might also be more weak and splinter, and like yeah. it's harder to find, whereas some genres by nature are more... And you could say this horror film as a genre is very specific, uh, well, and I'm metal making... is very specific. And I think that means that when you're actually pushing the boundaries, instead of pushing the boundaries out, you have to push the boundaries to go, okay, we got to go deeper into Satanism. We got to go darker. Somehow we got to add an extra base. We got to go double. Yeah. Yeah. We got to go. It's, it's like a vertical narrowing. We're, we're going narrow, but we're going deeper into what it is. The, more, the song like, you picked did, uh, did also showcase, uh, their drummer, Dave Lombardo's like the king of the double bass. He's yeah maybe overuses it right. but he's really good at it and that's like kind of their signature thing and it just it does it makes it feel like you're All getting right. punched well, in the head slayer is in jason you can <laughs> you can breathe <laughs> oh, i didn't choose um steppenwolf for you i didn't choose uh, yeah there's a lot of still out there for you uh, okay. aerosmith let's go ah, let's do this one this is this is pure metal of a certain era uh iron maiden we're gonna go iron maiden and we're gonna go number of the beast like just an all-time <laughs> classic was this on your list steve no i had me i definitely had iron maiden i had a couple other tracks all-time classic I had this on yeah. my list i had this on my all-time yeah. classic metal song <laughs> which which we heard some of yes we heard vincent price's intro yes. in our... my mind was blank I needed time to think to get the memories from my mind. What did I see? Can I believe that what I saw that night was real and not just fantasy? Just what I saw in my old dreams were the reflections of my woman staring back at me. Six, 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 the number of the beast. <laughs> Come on. To tell us more about their album covers. It's from the Bible. That's, that's from something the Bible. I wanted to talk about, too. So they, they were the ones, like, when I would go in to buy an album, they were the, they were the ones that most consistently scared me, their album covers. Yeah. They had this character named Eddie that was kind of like a, a skeleton or a demon or something. He, he was like this ghoul, and he was the center point on all of their albums. 
and they would have them in just various like decaying or scary states and um so they were they that kind of became part of the i guess mythos of iron maiden like the imagery of the album covers i always felt weirdly like i always felt like their album covers were slightly more metal than their actual music um (laughs) they're they're pretty operatic it's the combination of the voice um and then thematically like they're straddling that line between parody and like i can't tell how serious they are about this yeah (laughs) like slayer I'm uh, like, like I, I believe like, that Slayer oh, is, I'm afraid of them. Yeah. <laughs> is really like serious about their content. Like Iron Maiden, um, it feels like they're they're having fun with it a it's little, a little bit, more. bit more fun heavy metal. Um, yeah, but uh, just a, a classic metal band, kind of British British metal from a, a certain yeah. that that early '80s era. Um, they never got like. I don't think they got a ton of radio play. They amassed a massive following. Um, one of their, I think it's their bass player, got his pilot's license. He's the one like flies their their plane, their tour plane. <laughs> I saw it in Oklahoma just a couple of years ago. Um, but they uh, kind of a interesting band, really important if you're going to consider the history of the genre. They kind of carried the baton for uh, for probably close to a decade through the eighties, um, as as far as I think keeping the the genre alive. Uh, this this album, Number of the Beast, is the first heavy metal album to reach number one in the UK. Interesting. Hmm. So UK got there before the states did. Before but. and this one, this one also has a uh, Run to the Hills. So th- it's interesting oh, yeah. if you listen to like Run to the Hills side by side with Angel of Death, and they're both addressing kind of like systemic marginalization and populations of people that were killed. And they have a very different tone. And I think that's where Slayer takes a little bit of, I think, fair criticism because they it feels like the way they're approaching it is very, very different. Like uh, Run to the Hills is, is talking about the, the white people chasing Native Americans. And tonally, if you listen to that compared to Angel of Death, which is like looking at Holocaust death, there it's a, a kind of a weird contrast. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. I, I think of Iron nice. Maiden from Bill and Ted's Excellent <laughs> Adventure. And I always thought because of the name and the covers, I thought, oh, that's too too rough for me. And then as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, these guys aren't that hard. Like, no, their their yeah. image was harder they're, than they're their heavy music. Metal, yeah. But yeah, I similarly thought like, oh, this is more approachable than I than I would have imagined. So, but and, yeah. And sillier. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like Spinal Tap. That I think Spinal Tap was very, very much like lampooning. Yeah. Iron Maiden elements of Zeppelin, but it was a lot of Iron yeah, Maiden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rush. And Rush. And yeah. Rush. <laughs> With that one song. <laughs> yeah, maybe Molly Crew. Okay. No, um, Steve Ricks. I feel like we ha- I have to give a quick shout out to Steve Tuttle nearby and his, his brother Scott, mm. who tragically died about a year or so ago, but he was a big Iron Maiden fan. Mm. And I remember Steve posting, I think I think they had the pleasure of being in England together, visiting the pub where the band actually formed or something um, like that. That's so, awesome. Anyway, Steve, if you're listening, or J- Janelle might listen. Yeah, I don't, Steve I don't, I don't know. Listen. Steve, I don't think Steve listens. <laughs> Janelle, Janelle and, pa- and, and H. H. Tuttle. Uh, H. Tuttle. Pass the, T. Pass, <laughs> pass the word along. Uh, Shout I was, out to I was Steve thinking and his of, brother. I was thinking of Scott while uh, we were talking Iron Maiden. Um, 
Well, like uh, with the New Wave episode, it's like there are certain picks where I feel like, gosh, these people have to be in there. But then I also also get relieved when mm-hmm. other people are picking them because I don't really care if I pick them. I just want to see that they get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is hard. I, I got my list above the line for my main picks and my list below the line for honorable mentions. And a lot of the above the lines are... are are taken, which is good, but there's still too many that some that aren't going to make it in. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I think I got to go with ACDC. It's hard for me not to th- to think heavy metal and not think ACDC from the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, maybe they're ones that kind of skirt that line between hard rock versus heavy metal. But I just think that the hard driving guitar of Angus Young. I mean, that is the essence of, of ACDC. And it's just so, it just grabs you by the throat and you can't, you can't, uh, escape. And which band gets referenced the most by Jack Black in uh, school of rock? <laughs> they, they passed the, uh, Wikipedia test. <laughs> Unlike Rush, they are listed, they are listed as both hard rock and yeah. heavy metal. Yeah. And uh, another source I consulted is the Rolling Stone encyclopedia of rock. And they, they also passed that test. Although there, there, there are some inaccuracies in there. If I found through this other, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I'm not, but I'm, Obviously, by my definition, I'm not a purist, and uh, so you know the album and the songs that speak to me most are are the Brian Johnson 1980 album. So mm. I post Bon Scott. Yeah, well, I love TNT. I love the other uh, if whatever. Oh, if you want to be a rock, yeah, long way to the top. I mean, I, I like I, lo- I love some of those early tracks, and there, I, I mean, there's a live version of them doing TNT on some British show that it's just just incredible. But if if I got to pick a number 1 ACDC song, it's going to be the low hanging fruit of Back in Black. I can't pick anything else. So mm, there pick. you go. I'll never die is such a great line. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they if you're gonna if you're gonna characterize or describe their their lyrics and song topics and stuff, they probably air more a little more on the side of like sexual innuendo or overt <laughs> sexual or beyond innuendo, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sexual reference as opposed to like occult darkness. And and I think. 
their darkness stuff is a little more tongue in cheek or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that that is a whole edge thing about the genre, which you guys have already talked plenty about. But it's like the the theatrics and the putting on the image part of it versus the people that actually take that darkness seriously mm-hmm. and and uh and that, that might be like a top three riff of all time if you're gonna have to mm-hmm. kid a guitar and say like you need to learn how to play rock guitar that'll be one of the first <laughs> things that they they pluck out yeah i mean mm-hmm. i just i it's 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 hard for me not to just be drawn in and really you know, have my ears and brain uh, blown away by that first guitar chord. It just drops on you like a ton of bricks, and you're just like, oh, yeah, boom. And it's one that I think almost every kid now knows still. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. It yeah. stood the test of time. It's still yeah, pretty very timeless. well known. That that song, listening to that, like the music itself, and I and I didn't initially think AC. I was like, oh, ACDC's hard rock. They're not metal, so I wasn't even thinking of them. But I think it's because in my head, I think of metal, and I haven't been a fan of metal as always going, kind of like the speed metal, like the bass and the guitar. Whereas I love the space there that ACDC gives in that the riff. You know, there's like a dang. There's like a syncopation. There's Do more they only silence. Have one guitarist? There's more rest. They have two. I don't know. Two, three, four. Four mm. guitarists? No, they have one guitarist because Brian I, Johnson doesn't play guitar. Yeah, I think the lead singer is. I think it's just just Angus Young, yeah. bass, drums, singer. It's a great sound. Give, gives you room for great sound. Yeah, for pauses in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks, Steve. Boy. uh all my all my picks are taken now. <laughs> are they really? Are you serious? No, not all. Oh, I'm like, like here. Like, <laughs> this is your episode, like, man. Come it was on. pretty much in in order. Like the ones that I was uh, going to pick, I, I had Metallica, had uh, Slayer, Iron Maiden, now ACDC. So uh, next on the list is Megadeth. Okay. This is uh, along with Iron Maiden. Um, this is one that I never listened to even once until. Like this last month, um, maybe Maiden was a little earlier than that, but it's been within this this year for all of them. Uh, but ones that I was aware of because of posters and album covers and yeah. T-shirts. Um, Do you know Dave Mustaine's history at all? Well, I know he was the first guitarist for Metallica. Yeah, he was in Metallica and, and kicked out. Got kicked out because he party he partied too hard for Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. They, and then he they started weren't drug free themselves. No, but he was like too alcoholic for Metallica, uh-huh. and so then he started Metallica or Megadeth. And Is he his, the lead singer? Yeah, of his goal was to make everything do everything faster and harder than what Metallica did. Like that became he was his like song. a spite band, kind of That's what? <laughs> <laughs> a very wow. metal, so, another subgenre. So I didn't, I didn't know that until <laughs> very well, a one band I, niche. <laughs> I didn't know the faster and harder than Metallica until you just I said love that. that. But it makes sense now. Like once I started listening to their their stuff, I was like, these guys have really cool riffs. Yeah. Like I was surprised that I like musically. I think I like them better than Metallica. I want to see a Christopher Nolan movie about but they Megadeth a, and Metallica in there. <laughs> Their rivalry, <laughs> but there is Dave Mustaine also the singer. Yeah, so his I can't not laugh when once his voice comes in. James Hetfield doesn't have a stupid voice to me. No, like when you listen to Symphony of Destruction, yeah. it's comedy. Yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah. Here you go. There so you go. I'm going with. Uh, <laughs> There's got to be humor in the the Metal Hall of Fame. So uh, yeah, and well, Megadeth provides it. Not not necessarily in the performers, but it's uh, it's all unintentional yeah. comedy. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, I'm going with the song from their fourth album, Rust in Peace, which came out in 1990. (laughs) Like all of their... Rust in Peace. I mean, their band name and all the album names, like it seems like it would be Spinal Tap. Like... Mm -hmm. What what's their yeah, first album? Like Killing is joke. my business and business is good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and just their name, Megadeth. Like it just seems so stupid. It's like, not just regular death. It's yeah. Megadeth. It has <laughs> like you see it and like it has to be a parody, but it's not. Nope. <laughs> it's that's Dave that's Dave Mustaine. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> okay, so I'm I'm going with uh, track one, opening track, Holy Wars, dot, 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 The Punishment is Due. And they've got some sick riffs in here. Mustaine can shred. Yeah. We could have even longer intros than you, Metallica. <laughs> Alright. A little taste of That was pretty intense. Yeah. yeah. The double bass. Intense. I think one hard. of the hard things fast. with metal is they, they're cramming so much stuff into a song. Mm-hmm. Like it's really easy just to kind of get lost and just be like there's just there's too much happening (laughs) well especially as they got more and more like okay this is what it is like the early stuff we list like that black sabbath and led zeppelin there's more there's more diversity in drum beats in riffs and stuff and then it like like let's push it further into this one thing it seems like but that was uh yeah i'm impressed by the the tightness of a lot of these bands they're so tight like the musicianship to be really they there's some weirdly good technicians yeah. in the in the the genre they just make some weird yeah. ass music yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the vir- the virtuosity that's maybe led by the guitar virtuosity yeah. you know yeah. the fast lick playing but then everybody else kind of has to follow suit and i mean the drums are always really virtuosic including the double kick bass is kind of a yeah. thing that's like how, how can that you know how can that kick bass be going that fast or you know anyway right. and then the like the precision like the, those moments when it, you know the bass guitar and drums are you know hit on those yeah. every 16th note lick right together tight i mean uh, yeah. just, 
That that wasn't as funny as his voice gets. No, Symphony of Destruction yeah. is probably like the most. Yeah, it, it's let's, like he's doing a let's just voiceover do a for a cartoon. <laughs> So the other one, I, I mix that one. There's another one where he's having a conversation with himself. Hello, me. He, what's the name? What's I the, don't know. Go to the same album. T- Nate, read me the song names. Uh, skin of My Teeth, Architecture of Aggression, Foreclosure of a Dream, Sweating Bullets. Sweating Bullets. It's Sweating Bullets. It's Go to Sweating Bullets. What? Sweating Bullets? Yeah, when he does the, the Sweating Bullets is the one I was thinking of. Possession. Is it right from the beginning? It'll it'll pick up here. Two minute intro. Yeah, it has a long intro. Then it picks up here. That (laughs) most valued possession. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Looking back, it's still a bit fuzzy. Speak of mutually assured destruction. Nice story. It's like Oscar the Grouch. (laughs) This is Oscar the Grouch doing that. Wow. And then when he says sweating bullets, throat. like when he actually says it, it's very Oscar the Grouch too. I'm sweating bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Do they also have an album called Shark Sandwich? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Smell two the word, glove. Two word review. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the voices are such a prominent part. Well, you know, duh. It's like, oh, uh, voice is a prominent part of vocal music. No, it's like, yeah, okay, duh. But Professor I mean, Frink? The, <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> the, uh, but the metal, and when I said operatic, yeah, I mean, I kind of, if I think heavy metal, I th- that's kind of the first image or, you know, oral image I have in my mind is that that high strong operatic male voice with the really heavy distortion and driving beat and everything and it's uh, it's almost like there's a a disconnect or something weird about that pairing but it it works and so there's a real richness thickness gravitas to to most of the vocalists and bands that i like or that i think of and this yeah i'm not sure his voice has that you know (laughs) i mean with like like ACDC, Brian Johnson. It's not. It's not operatic, but it's it's more the scream uh, effect. But it's still very distinctive and strong and out there. But anyway, he can shred maybe, a guitar. Maybe he's maybe he's the uh, the transition between that operatic voice and then what became the. <laughs> like he's, think, he's the midway point. <laughs> I think he's just a micromanager that isn't interested in letting anybody else see his lyrics. Yeah. Well, shoot. All right, Jordan. Hurt my throat to listen to that. And for the record, I've never put out a heavy metal album with myself singing, so I, you know, so I, probably, yeah. I, I couldn't do it's a better easy job. For us to, yeah, easy for us to say. To, no. to ca- cast aspersions? Is that <laughs> All right, so for my final pick, I'm going to go with, this is a band, I heard their name. A lot of metal bands were kind of caricatures to me without even ever giving them the time of day, right? Like, just the name and the, like... Oh, that's what that is. So Sepultura, 
I, I oh, looked them wow. up and I started to listen and I was like, wow. I like this. This was cool. Like, so they're from Brazil. They were prominent in the mid 80s, kind of early 90s, mid 90s. The song I liked the best is from 93, but that's that's past our cutoff. So I'm going to go with the, uh, they had a, a high point critically with, a, I think it was 86 album called Arise gonna pick between dead embryonic cells and arise i think i'll go with arise um as the song to pick uh but yeah sepultura means grave in portuguese just let that be known um let's go ahead and listen to arise by sepultura change and like some changes in there but when i was first preparing for this that was one of the first bands i listened to and i was like that's metal you know it was like just undeniable um i also thought this is probably this is like sonic meth and that made me think of like uh you know the relationship we've talked briefly about it relationship between drugs and music and how it is a huge part a lot of times of rock stars or musicians kind of like process of making music or or kind of trying to, I want to make music that sounds like an acid trip or whatever, you know. And it was interesting to think about the the. That's where psychedelic rock was, of course. You know, everyone's taking acid in the mid to late '60s, and trying to make music that reflects that or interplays with that. It seems like by the time we get to Slay, uh, not Slayer, but uh, Sepultura. Sepultura, Arise. This is fully meth. <laughs> Either it's meth induced, or they're like, let's. Let's help our audience feel what it's like to be on meth. One of the two of those. That's my, that's my assumption. <laughs> they're they're doing a, a service. You don't have to actually take <laughs> meth. Just listen to us. It's, it's cheaper and less uh, physically harmful than yeah. taking meth. Just listen to our music, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 It'll help you s- scratch yourself. <laughs> skin picking. You don't have yeah. to worry about the skin lesion. You're going to stay up all night long, crashing into other testosterone-fueled men and sweating and punching them and fighting and... <laughs> You're going to go home and say, that was the best night of my life. And then you're going to do it again next week. <laughs> yeah, that's my okay. third and final. Nice. And final I, I love the surprising picks from Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, this is He's amazing. going the hardest of any of us. What? Oh. Well, let's, uh, let's pause just, this. Just let it go, man. Just go pants. dirty rotten scoundrel. Didn't you wear your D pants? Come on. <laughs> All right. Uh, where where did we end at? We Sepultura. Sepultura. Is Godzilla. All right, my turn. Your yeah. turn. This is the one exception, I think, to your ninety-one rule. I think this group is the one group that successfully spans that era. I think they were relevant before, and I think they were relevant after. Well, let's hear it. Um, it's Pantera. It's freaking Pantera. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I had a song of theirs I wanted to play, but it was 92. 
So, yeah, so, so the Sepultura. Jordan, as with true metalheads, follows the rules. <laughs> Metal is all about obedience to yes, rules. Yes, it is. <laughs> so you will, you will not have a violin. <laughs> so, so that would have been master, a, uh, master. That would have been a song from Vulgar Display of Power if it was '92. Mm-hmm. But they had an album before that that was just as relevant and they're i think they're the the band that kind of took over for metallica when metallica kind of sold out um and so i'm gonna go with one from their earlier their album before that they go back to the 80s but they kind of hit their stride with an album called cowboys from hell we don't have anything that resembles a ballad this is not necessarily a ballad but it has some ballad elements uh we're gonna go cemetery gates by pantera because by the Smiths, no, by the Smiths. <laughs> um, ballads are kind of like a weird part, hold a weird place in metal. Uh, and it's this, like only the glam bands did ballads. No, Metallica no. had their Metalla ballads. You had like one, you had um, Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath had slower songs. The one how, how does to one Sabbath. end? <laughs> it's a sad ballad. <laughs> it's <laughs> this will, you'll hear this. This doesn't okay. stay a ballad, but okay. uh, but the beginning has some the, the softer side of Pantera for a minute. All right, Pantera is incredible, by the way. I forget Cemetery about Gates. Yes. Is this some bass gonna drop just wait just wait <laughs> they're gonna pull a phil collins on us they're gonna punch you in the stomach is this they're in the air tonight mm. That sound of Dimebag Daryl's guitar is so good, like so classic Pantera. That it's like a, it's like it's hissing. It's like a snake hissing. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. And that goes back. Great song. His voice reminds me kind of of uh, it's kind of grunge a little bit. A little bit. Like it, it's yeah, yeah. very much. It's different than the other metal vocals that we've listened to so far that are either growling or the operatic. Which I think is one of the things but, that appealed huh. to a lot of people about Pantera. It was not because of the voice specifically. Yeah. Like if you listen to Walk or if you listen to Cowboys from Hell, the title track. Walk was the song. Walk's that, so good. That was the song I was like, oh, I want to put that on there. Yeah. That cool. Night. Yeah, I know uh, know a lot of people that like Pantera and I haven't haven't tried it yet. 
let's can we listen to 10 seconds of walk just the very beginning of it the, from vulgar display of power yeah, yeah so the thing i love about walk walk is more in the tradition of sabbath it's slow like it's a slow tempo song that is it's somehow cool, cool as stuff. hard as as hard as you can get with the slow tempo This kind of is closer to like rage and some of that yeah. stuff too. The space. I like the space in between the rests. Can't you see? I'm easily bothered by persistence. One step from lashing. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> But also, obviously, from the 90s. Like, that has much more of a 90s that is, sound. Than, mm-hmm. But, like, if you... Uh, yeah, we've already listed All right. Stevie. Ricks, what do you got? Stevie Wonder Boy. Man, this is so hard, guys. This is, so, this is so hard. <laughs> Rock Lobster. Elvis oh, wait, Costello. I already that. I already Costello that. did a metal song. Well, you know. Uh, there's been a lot of... American and British stuff, as we can imagine, it's that's well, we got you know, Canada too. We got that's, Brazil. We got that's Brazil. the heart of uh, of maybe English speaking pop music. But yeah, we got Brazil. We got Canada. I'm gonna go for some more low hanging fruit. I'm gonna I'm gonna spice up the international flair. Going to Germany. You got it. The Scorps, Scorpions. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna go the Zoo, 1980. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was Steve! You got Steve instead of me! (laughs) (laughs) We will, uh... Well, hey. (laughs) There's still time. There's still one more chance for Van Halen, so it's up to it's up uh, to Brandon. You might, you might as it's well up to Brandon. And uh, okay, we, so we, that's not the Scorpions. I look forward to spending some time with Van Halen in part two of our episode to, to maybe you know toss him around a bit. But the zoo. The zoo. You know, like 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 Metallica, like various bands, they kind of soften up as they get older, and they sound like they started started pretty soft. They wanted they wanted <laughs> to this, this was to, 1980. They wanted to appeal to well to me as a 12 year old, and they did. <laughs> 
You missed the talk box section. There's a talk box. In <laughs> I just saw I that. Know, I think it's pretty rocking. On the, uh, on the internet, I just saw that they were, their band formed in 1965. You know, it said that. I, I have thought, a... What? You know, I... Th- I, I it, yeah, that seems a little. I mean, they crazy. Th- they're doing '70s albums for sure, but that '65 thing—I have a feeling that's, that's like you know that's their high school band, and they had a different friends. name other than the Scorpions, yeah. and so yeah, that's kind of like in Spinal you know, Tap. That's when they were doing their like Beach Boys cups covers. And kicks. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you Listen, know, to the flower people sing. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts of Spinal Tap is when it's showing their iterations yeah. from before. And the, they uh, they're similar. I look at them kind of like Dio. Um, yeah, they're they're well. very operatic. Like the vocals are very operatic, and they flirt with that kind of like pieces of metal and pieces of hard rock. And I think a lot of people would consider both of them like part of the metal family. Even though, so they're, you know who they are? They're probably like the Ramones are to punk. Like, how punk Mm. was the Ramones music? But the Ramones are unquestionably part of the punk family. I I had to go with them. I wanted, you know, part of me wanted to go. apologies needed. Part of me wanted to go Judas Priest, but I feel like, man, we got such a, we we got a British contingent in there already. I'll save Judas Priest for the, uh, the after party. Mm. Final pick for the induction. Oh, boy. I... Bring us home. Okay. Uh, this is the band that, as I've been listening to all this stuff, uh, this is the band I'm most excited to listen to more of. Okay. That I hadn't listened to at all before this, and I've liked everything that I've heard. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to... To really dig into these guys, this is King Crimson, mm. not uh, prog rock. This is yeah. the same the same vein as Rush. Same vein as mm-hmm. Rush, maybe <laughs> maybe more respectable. <laughs> and I so, two, so yeah. two or three Brandon's metal picks were prog rock. You can, I should you have can taken a note from that. I could have got Elvis Costello in here. Maybe. <laughs> Dang, I'm excited to see what you pick by them. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like me too. Me yeah. too. I'm a big Crimson fan. Mm. Um, I. L- the album that I've listened to the most so far is their first one. The, the one with the big... The guy Court of the Crimson Court King? Of the, yeah, yeah, Court the guy, of the Crimson the King. guy with the big mouth open. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. <laughs> big animated and that has, thing. That has some metal elements in it. But I think for, for this episode, the most, the most fitting of their albums is Red. And I'll go with the title track on that one. So this is Red by King Crimson. Um... I think they only ever had two albums that were had the same lineup back to back. Yeah. So I think it was after this album, Red, that they broke up for like this is nineteen seventy four. Then they break up and they reform again in eighty to record discipline. Break up a few years later and then reform in the mid nineties. Yeah, they're they're great. So here is Red from King Crimson.
Yeah, there's, I don't know, maybe there's a lot of cool stuff going on in there, and I, I think they, uh, you know, while there's metal aspects to it, with, with some of the sound, a lot of their albums don't have any metal to it at all. Um, but I, I think because of that, it's, it's just more interesting to me. There's, it seems like there's more potential that they can do things besides just Slayer always does or what Iron Maiden always does. And they, sing, they also use saxophone, which is interesting. Sometimes some, the soprano sax. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. That's the end of our... So question, right? is metal good? Mostly no. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, what do you mean? Is it good music? Is it does it? Is it a music that promotes good the the good the beautiful and the no? Is it good, good, good? Is it good, good behavior? Music? Is good it good themes? music? Well, it depends. <laughs> I mean, that, I think that, that question is too. No, we're subjective. No, we are <laughs> we are objective authorities on overall. On, we've got a podcast no, after all. According to me, overall, no, it's not. <laughs> The, but this I, was but the, there is good stuff in it. This was the hardest for me of all our episodes to um, come up with, like, ones that I actually really liked to nominate. Yeah. And, like, you know, as as you guys were taking them, I'm like, crap, what am I going to, you know. I, like say, I, had I, no, say, I had to nominate Megadeth, of all things. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You, you did it. It's snobby. They belong, snobby in, there. As I they can belong be. in there. But, it, hmm. like, for a band... That will make that genre's hall of ta- hall of fame. <laughs> Band as silly as Megadeth and Iron Maiden, like, yeah. and then all the ones mm. that didn't make it, like, wow, as I was bad. going through them, it's an like it, Judas Priest. Well, is there a dumber band? It's an <laughs> interesting bands, genre because I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say that it's objectively good. I think there's value in it somewhere. Like I made a very like passionate plea. Uh, there's certainly value, yeah. Or not plea, but but uh, explanation as to what it meant. Yeah. At a I think so. Time. I think so. It doesn't really mean anything beyond sentimental value to me now. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be moments where I want like a little bit of an adrenaline rush or a little bit of a pump <laughs> up, like where yeah. it like maybe it, it'd be fun to go like run to or something, but. Uh, you know, otherwise, it's a weird. I have a really weird relationship to it. But like I said, for kids now, um, there, you know, whatever. I don't know that metal really exists in anything resembling a pure form right now in contemporary music that, that a lot of kids are listening to. I mean, metal is there, no question. But it, it's, I think, it's been so like splintered. But there still is kind of elements that I think really appeal to to people that that want to feel a certain thing and i i there's definitely value in that but it, mm-hmm. i have such a weird relationship with the genre right now because i i can't really say that it's objectively good like the snotty pretentious music critic in me struggles with that but mm-hmm. i still find value in it so it, i guess it becomes a little bit of a guilty pleasure in that regard mm-hmm. um and there's pieces that are good like I can still listen to certain Pantera songs or Metallica mm-hmm. songs and be like, oh, that's good, but I don't know. I don't know what to make of yeah. it. <laughs> well, what? Are, how about with this? What, why don't we wrap it up on this one and then dive into our, and do a kind of a quick postlude episode of Rushmore and any deep cuts we have and do like a, a yeah. shorter second episode? Yeah. Does that sound? Take us home, Brandon. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys for sharing your, uh, 
your love or and or your uh, new recent findings of metal things that might be of value or um, that have spoken to you at one time or another. And we'll, uh, we'll continue this this discussion in the next episode. But this odyssey, really, it's yeah. more than a discussion. Yeah. It's a journey into Mordor. If if there are any <laughs> listeners out there, if we've retained any listeners at this point, we'd, we'd love to hear from you what you think. If no, uh, if we missed some bands, if there is, if Judas Priest does belong in there, and if you've got some kind of defense for that, maybe we'd love to hear it. So. Look us up. Let the music be your master. dot com. And that biz. Until then. Precision, yet no one knows the magic.